Hey man, had a rough week? Relax, have some rum and cola for your soul. Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so honored that you are listening to my podcast, especially this series on how I get what I get out of the Bible. So thank you guys for listening. And since we've been together for a while, I'm going to confess something to you today that might be a little bit shocking. Well, Ashley, it's going to be shocking to you if you grew up in church culture. If you didn't, it's going to be shocking to you that anybody finds this shocking. (laughs) But here's my confession. Sorry, guys, but I don't really feel inspired by the Proverbs 31 woman. (laughs) Are you shocked? So just to fill you in, if you're not familiar with this culture, Proverbs 31 is a passage from the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and it describes the ancient Jewish ideal of what a woman should be like from the 10th century BC, guys. That's 3,000 years ago. (laughs) And so... If you're a woman growing up in church culture, you probably like every month or so had somebody say, let's get together and talk about the Proverbs 31 woman so you can feel bad about yourself. (laughs) Sorry, is my bitterness showing? It shows a lot, guys. Sorry. But seriously, there's stuff about this woman. Like there's a verse about her that says she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. I'm sorry. That's pretty much my life goal. (laughs) Only I guess I'd probably say my life goal is to eat the brownies of idleness, but bread's good too. And and I'm so tired of hearing about this woman that somebody sits and talks about don't eat the bread of idleness. And all I do is go Homer Simpson and start going, mmm, bread of idleness. (laughs) So then there's a verse that says, she gets up while it's still night. And I'm like, yeah, that ain't happening. And then we get to this part. It says, she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. And I'm like, hold up, guys. Wait a minute. This chick's got multiple servants. Yeah, when I get plural servants, we'll talk about me getting up in the middle of the night. Still not going to happen on a regular basis, but, you know, I might do it sometime. Help out my servant or something. But seriously, guys, the problem is that this is an ideal And nobody lives up to an ideal all the time. That's a problem when we're always presented with the ideal and then we come away just feeling like, oh, wow, I fall really short of that. And that's how a lot of people approach everything about reading the Bible. And maybe you haven't been exposed to repeated conferences and Bible studies about the Proverbs 31 woman. But I bet you have struggled with relating to Bible stories. And maybe like me, you're used to having them presented to you as an unattainable ideal that you can never fully live up to. Or maybe you just read these ancient stories and go, what the heck am I even reading? (laughs) Or maybe you read them as stories of super holy people always doing super holy stuff and nothing about them seems to relate to your busy, messy, not so holy life. I mean, I'm not judging you. (laughs) I'm just saying based on the fact that you're a human being and that you're listening to my podcast, I bet your life doesn't look like a story of holy perfection. (laughs) Just throwing that out there, guys. So how do any of us relate our messy lives full of guilt, mistakes, struggles, and lots of idle bread eating (laughs) with the stories of Jesus in the Bible? Well, guys, I am super excited to share with you one of the coolest things that I found about reading the stories of Jesus, and that is understanding the cultural context. Wait a minute. Did you guys just groan? (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I'm just having a flashback from my teaching days and I feel like I just handed out a homework assignment to you. So let me just backtrack a second and say studying the culture is so super awesome and you don't have to be some kind of Bible scholar or super obsessed with it the way I am. It just takes a few minutes and you guys can just Google search some study notes every once in a while and you'll get it. So I just want you to see how cool it is to understand a bit of the culture and how when you understand the culture of these stories, it humanizes the characters and their struggles. And it's the opposite of romanticizing these stories. And they cease to be these stories of unattainable ideals. And they become stories of real people struggling with the same human experience that you and I still struggle with today. When you view the Bible this way, it makes religious people super uncomfortable, (laughs) which is just a little added bonus there if you're bitter, (laughs) which I might struggle with a little bit. But I'm serious, guys. People don't like it when you humanize the stories. I mean, I really almost got run out of a church one time for saying that I didn't think John the Baptist liked being in prison <laughs> because the re- religious view is, you know, he was perfect in all this. So when he was in prison, he had a great attitude about it the whole time. And when I suggested that, that maybe that wasn't the case, it created a lot of drama because <laughs> people don't like that. And that attitude made me shut up for a little while. But then I started to realize that what we are doing is elevating people in our legalism and we're separating ourselves from God like we're achieving something on our own. Because when we romanticize the stories and we read them like these ideals that we're supposed to attain to or these crazy things that happen that make no sense, but we're supposed to believe them. Then it starts becoming about us and how good we are. And that's completely different than what we see when we humanize these stories. And it becomes less about us being good enough to please God. And it becomes stories about Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And he wants to walk through our messy lives with us. And I love this so much because when God enters our messy lives, he sits with us while we're eating the bread of idleness and says, it's okay, Cindy, tell me why you're hurting. And y'all, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. And I want you to know it too. And it's unbelievably freeing and empowering. And when you read the Bible this way with the context I promise it won't be a chore. It will be like getting to spend time with the most awesome best friend ever. And I know that sounds like I'm super holy and I'm not, guys, I swear. I just seriously miss it when I don't get to spend the time with Jesus. I mean, honestly, people in my life, like my kids used to say, "Um, Mom, why don't you go have a quiet time because you're losing it. And the goodness in me is not because I'm such a great person and it's freeing to know that it's because I walk with Jesus and I love that. That is a big part of what you see when you understand the culture that these stories come from. And I want to share one of my favorite examples of how understanding the culture helps us apply the stories of Jesus to our modern lives. And this story is found in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. And we find the simple story of Jesus healing a paralyzed man. 
But without understanding the culture, we tend to just kind of dismiss the story and say, yeah, that's really awesome. But how does that apply to me in 2019? Because Jesus isn't really walking around in the flesh healing people. But get this, when we apply the culture to it, it is so cool. Because in that day, there were these religious men called Pharisees whose name meant set apart. And these guys were extreme religious legalists, and they were obsessed with rule keeping and telling other people when they broke the rules. And these guys, along with the teachers of the law, felt that it was their job to basically tell people when they sinned. And they actually believed that they were doing a great service to people because they believed that all suffering was caused by sin. So if you were having a hard time, You could find one of these guys and they could tell you exactly what it was that you had done wrong and why it was your fault for being such a dirty sinner. And also, they wouldn't associate with you because that would make them ceremonially unclean. So have you ever been misjudged or condemned? You think maybe the people in Jesus's day could relate to how much it completely sucks because they experienced it to the extreme. So think about that cultural context and then listen to the story. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says that one day Jesus was teaching and the religious rule keepers that I just told you about, the Pharisees and teachers of the law came from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. So these guys sent reps from all over the place to come check out what Jesus had to say. And pretty much they just wanted to know what he was going to tell them about being better at rule keeping. So (laughs) the story continues. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus which I I just got to give a shout out to those guys. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> but that's not even the coolest part of the story. Verse 20 continues. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And notice he didn't heal the guy yet. He forgave his sins. And verse 21 continues. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So yeah, Jesus had their attention right there. I mean, can you picture the drama of this scene? (laughs) Like this guy's just lowered on a mat in front of everybody and everybody's focused on Jesus and he's like being super chill and just letting them kind of stew with it for a little while. So then verse 22 continues and it says, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? So, the Pharisees of the law believed that people sent by God could heal, but they didn't believe any person could ever forgive sins. So, this was a really big deal. Jesus was drawing their attention to this. They all knew it was impossible for a person to forgive sins. And then verse 24 continues, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. 
in these five verses with cultural understanding, we see that Jesus made following him about faith and he separated our struggles from God's acceptance of us. If you followed that, it is so cool. And that transcends all time and culture. That completely speaks to me in my world of constant self-doubting, always wondering if I'm good enough, because I have faith. Nothing I'm struggling with changes the way God sees me. I'm his beloved daughter. We see that when we see that that paralyzed man was completely forgiven while he was still lying on the floor and being the object of a heated religious debate. And it completely relates to us when we're surrounded by judgmental religious people who want to fix our problems by forcing us to follow an unattainable ideal. We can always remember the story and we can know that faith is what leads to forgiveness and our struggles are never a sign of how God sees us. And that's just one story, guys. <laughs> it's five verses. I hope you're excited about this. And I hope that this one little example gives you an idea of how completely amazing it is to understand just a little bit of the culture. And my hope for each of you is that you are inspired to see the stories of Jesus in a new way. I want you to see how the cultural context reminds us of the shared human experience of these stories. We can relate these ancient stories about Jesus to our modern lives, and it's amazing. So my challenge for you this week is to pick just one story about Jesus. And yeah, this is kind of a homework assignment, but it's awesome. So do 15 minutes of research on the culture of that story and ask yourself, what was the shared human struggle that the characters were facing and what can we learn from this story? Guys, I think you're going to love it. I would love to hear from you and what you come up with and talk with you more about it. You can find all my contact information and transcript of this episode on my website, RomanColaForTheSoul.com. Also look me up on Facebook because I'd love to continue discussing this with you guys. Y'all, I wasn't kidding when I said I'm obsessed with this. I wrote a book called Rum and Cola for the Survivor Soul. And in this book, I look at all the stories from the book of Luke, and I relate the struggles that the people in those stories went through with stories of survivors that I've known over the last 20 years. And yeah, I even put in print <laughs> that I think John the Baptist doubted, and I took it a little bit further. <laughs> Actually, I took it a lot further. I compared it to a story of a woman that had been abused by church people and talked about how she had every right to struggle in her doubts too. So yeah, that's a thing I did. <laughs> so check that out. Again, it's called Rum and Color for the Survivor Soul, and it's available on Amazon.com. And as always, I hope that your soul has been calmed and encouraged like it just had some rum and cola. Blessings, guys. Thank you for listening. Check out Roman Cola for the soul.com for all things Roman Cola for your soul.